I want to get into our message, and today we're on a, another message in our series called Saved to Serve. Now, we looked at the fact that we were saved to live, and we've begun on the series Saved to Serve. And what we're bringing out in these messages is that when Christ saves us, Yes, it's to forgive our sins, it's to make us new creations, it's so that we have a place in heaven, but it's for more than that, it's for a purpose, it's for now, it's for our life. And so today, we are specifically saved to serve others. Last week we talked about serving the Lord, today we are saved to serve others. I'm going to start with a story about Jesus. You see, Jesus was with his disciples, his followers, and they were having a meal. They were gathered around and eating the way they would have eaten at that time, not on high tables and tall chairs like we do, but probably laid back a bit with a very low table, if there was one. And they were finishing supper, and they began to visit You see, culturally at that time, supper was a big deal. Mealtimes were a time to not just eat, but a time to fellowship and communicate and even teach. Jesus taught many things after they ate. I don't know if people are better, easier to understand after they eat, but maybe. But life groups here at church, sometimes there's food. There's a reason for that, fellowship, connection. But here's Jesus at the meal And he's taught them, and now he gets up. And they're all watching him because, well, he was their Lord and Master. They're watching, wondering what he's doing. He got up, he took off his robe, and he got a towel and water, and he poured it into a basin. And he went around and began to wash their feet. You see, they're looking at him, wondering, what is he doing? Because that's the job of a servant. And yet, for some reason, maybe there wasn't the servant there or the servant forgot. Nobody's feet had been washed yet, and Jesus chooses to do it. And as he's washing their feet, he gets to Peter, and Peter says, no, you can't wash my feet. Why is he saying that? Because he knows that this is the leader, this is the Lord, and he should be washing the feet, not Jesus. But Jesus is showing them something important, and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. And Peter very quickly, okay, I'm in. You can wash my feet, my hands, and my head. He quickly turned and knew, okay, I don't get it, but I'm in. Jesus finished washing their feet, and in John chapter 13, verse 12, we read this. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Jesus is clearly telling them, I want you to have a humble heart. Be willing to serve. Now, maybe some of you have been in smaller church or life group and had an opportunity to wash someone's feet. I remember getting that opportunity actually when I first, not too long after I started pastoring here, I felt the Lord wanted me to wash some feet, and it was some of my, couple of my elders. I don't remember, but I remember one of them really specific. It was right here at the service, and it was a humbling experience. It was really good. It was something I'll never forget. I have good news. I'm not washing any of your feet here today, so we're okay there, but this is something that 
God has done, but I want you to see today that more clearly than anything, he's not wanting us to create a ritual, but he's wanting us to have a heart of serving and to be humble. You see, in that situation, washing the feet was something that needed to be done. And it wasn't a nice job. It was a dirty job. They didn't have any foot powders or deodorants or anything like that. Those were stinky feet. They wore open sandals on dirty, dusty roads where the animals did their thing. So it would have been a dirty job, a servant's job. It needed to be done. So Jesus is not telling us to create a ritual where we bring a basin and do that necessarily. Now, he can tell you to do it because it's humbling and good for us. But what he's really saying is, hey, do you see what's needed and are you humble enough even when you're a leader to do it? Are you able to serve others? Because you see, we were saved to serve the Lord and we were saved to serve others. Luke 22 and 25, Jesus teaches them a little further. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they're called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Jesus took the heart of someone who serves. Each of us as followers of Christ, also he wants us to understand the purpose and the importance of serving others. You see, this is not just about us. And something I've seen is as we learn and grow in our faith, we begin to serve. Let me put it this way. Serving comes with maturity. Immaturity, there's no serving, but with maturity comes the ability and heart to serve others. Let me give you an example. Just look at a family. When someone's immature, you've got a little child, maybe a baby, maybe a two-year-old. I have one of those. They don't serve anybody. Life is all about them, and somebody serves them. You know, the food, change the pamper, put them to bed. Whenever they need something, they're upset, they throw a little fit. That's immaturity. They're not serving anybody, are they? Now, you know what? When you first come to Christ, you're immature. You're growing. You're going to need people to help you and walk you through stuff, okay? And that's awesome, and it's important, but you begin to mature and grow. You begin to learn things just like that two-year-old. You begin to understand how it works, and suddenly you come to a place where you want to serve others. You want to help them through what you came through. You know, you got freed from an addiction of drugs, and you've worked through it. Now you want to help others come through it. Maturity brings a heart to help and serve others. So for you and I, as we mature in Christ, we also choose to serve and help those around us. Now, how do we do that? I'm going to give you three really simple ways of how we can do that today. I also have an article here where they give some practical things you can do. I'll read a couple of those off the article. But first off, an easy thing we can do to serve others, we can pray for them. This is a first step, and you can be, I believe, a brand new Christian, a day or two old, and you can start praying for others. So this is a great first step for serving other people. Scripture has a lot to say about it, but let me just read to you a few of the verses. 
James chapter 5 and verse 16. Confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So praying for other people is something you and I should do as a way of serving. Now, when you pray for others, you can know this, that you are doing something that pleases God and you are beginning to mature. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 4. I'm going to read this one as well about praying for others. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceable and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So we can pray for other people. Who are we supposed to pray for according to that verse? All, it's farther up. Everyone, anyone. There's nobody who you can't pray for. Okay, so if you're like, can I pray for this? You can pray for anybody. And then specifically, he says we should pray for leaders as well. According to scripture, we should. We really should. And there's a reason why. We should be praying Even if there's somebody we don't like or we don't think should be where they are, we do need to pray for them. God's word says so. Ephesians 6, 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We are called to pray for all people, for leaders, and yes, believers. Don't forget believers. Don't forget your brothers and sisters in the Lord. See, we're called to pray and build one another up by praying that way. And instead of, you know, arguing or putting others down, we should be praying for them. And in that way, bringing them up. Okay, that's the prayer part. I think all of us can say, yes, we get that. We can pray for others. You know, we're at that level where that's, that's not too hard. So the second thing I think that we can do to serve others according to Scripture And again, it's basic, but it's this. We can serve others by helping to meet their needs. Okay, so praying for people, we've got that. Let's also help others meet their needs. Matthew 10, verse 8. This is Jesus telling his followers, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. So the whole mission that Jesus sends them out is a giving mission or serving others, meeting others' needs. Now, these are pretty big, and for most of us, you're probably thinking, well, I don't know, well, will I heal the sick or raise the dead? I've never met someone with leprosy. And uh, I want to tell you this. He is saying, I'm sending you to meet the needs of the people that you come in contact with. So if you're not coming in contact with people who need that, what are they needing? And yes, if you come in contact with people who need to be set free, the Holy Spirit gives you the authority to set people free. He gives you the authority to see people healed. But I want you to see from this, our whole mission is about serving others. Everything we're called to do is about serving others. He doesn't say anything, you know, go out and become famous. Go out and make sure everybody loves you. That's not there. But go out and serve, meet needs. Okay, let's get some that maybe are a little more practical for Slave Lake as well. James 2, 15. 
says, suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing. And you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, well, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So here the writer is actually giving a little lesson on faith, but he uses the example, if someone is in need, don't just say nice words, help meet the need. If you have the ability to help meet that need, help meet it. When you do that, you're practicing your faith. You're taking action. Okay, so helping others who are in need. In Proverbs 19 and verse 17, this verse says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Whenever you help somebody else, the Lord smiles and it says in scripture, it's like giving to him and he repays back. So never shy away from helping when you have the ability. Help meet the needs of people that you see around you. I'm going to break away from the message for just a minute and read you a couple of practical ways to serve or help others. And it's from an article that I found by Anna Collins. She says, if you're going to help and serve others, one of the first things you should do, don't forget, is to help your family. She says this, when was the last time you cleaned the dishes or made dinner? Not because it was your turn, but just because you can it's easy to forget that the ones we need to serve the most are often the ones closest to you. How would the attitudes in our homes change if we started each day by asking, how can I help you today, then followed through on that response? Now that's a good way to serve in family. I know there's a couple of you right now saying, if I asked in the morning how can I help you and had to do whatever they said, it might be a busy, busy day. That's okay. Maybe that's too open for you, but be willing to serve because serving is what we do here's a second point she wrote in her article you can volunteer at church and i don't specifically have that in my message but it's here in the article and of course as a pastor i'm always thinking of that and i, I mention it from time to time that they're serving opportunities but here's what she wrote the people who greet you on the way in the folks who uh create kids spring this is from her church that she's writing and she said, God isn't looking for super Christians. He's building the church with normal people just like me and you. And she said, we have all at least one spiritual gift. What do you enjoy doing? What do others say you're good at? What's your schedule look like? These kinds of questions can help you discover the place where God wants you to serve at your church. Here's a third one about how you can practically help and serve others. Donate items to a homeless shelter or a food bank. I don't believe we have a homeless shelter here, but we do have a food bank. Does everybody know where the food bank is in town? It is at the Native Friendship Center, if you didn't know. And I actually did have someone uh, touch base with me this week who needed help with groceries, and they said that the food bank really doesn't have much right now. Often, I guess, we think of the food bank in the wintertime, but economically, there are some families struggling, and the food bank's important to them. So hey, if that's something on your heart and you like to help in that way, 
go to the Native Friendship Center and see what they need most to be donated and donate some stuff because you'll be helping families that you don't even know. So that's a way to serve others, okay? And here's another one. Send someone an encouraging note. I thought this was a great one to just throw in the middle there in the article. If you do write note, write an encouraging note. It can really change somebody's day. It can encourage and build them up. Now, for the rest of us who don't remember what a paper and pen looks like and use your phone, you can text somebody an encouraging note. You can text or message somebody to encourage them. And I believe it's really important. I want to encourage you to do that this week. Now, your partner can be the first one, but I want you to also encourage somebody else, okay? So some message or text that's random, it will really change how they feel. And they will actually be surprised that you did it. As a matter of fact, it happens so little, they might be so surprised, they might reply back, what do you want? Because they're not going to get it. How come they're encouraging me for no reason at all? Okay? But go ahead and do it anyhow and encourage somebody. All right. Deliver a meal. Sometimes there's people who need meals. You know that our church has a church care group, and uh, they'll deliver meals wherever. If you're somebody, you're like, I wouldn't mind cooking a meal, but I don't know where to give it to. You can actually sign up with the church care group, and when there's somebody in need, they can contact you and say, hey, we need a meal at this time for this house. Okay, so if that's something you love, you're a cook and you love doing that, make sure and touch base. You can talk to one of the pastors or at the white table, and they'll let the care group people know. Okay, that just ways that we're able to help. And I'm going to read a couple more and then get back to the message in a minute. You can help others by watching someone's kids. I thought that's an interesting one. You have to, be, you have, to have kids to get this one. Um, last night, actually at the service, I was joking with one of the fathers. He was on his way out. And we were at the kids area. I said, oh, so did they give your kids back? He laughed. They did, but they could keep them. I could use a date night, he said. <laughs> now, I didn't offer to stay late at church so he could go, but it made me realize there are people who really do need a break and maybe financially they can't pay a babysitter or they don't know somebody that they trust. So if you're really loving kids and you're good with that, you know somebody who could use a hand, or maybe you don't and you just want to offer, tell somebody at the church, I know we can find somebody who wants a date night. Anybody okay with that? Okay. (laughs) I saw someone's hand over there, they want a date night, but don't you have like five kids? Okay. (laughs) I know them. But why not, right? Go ahead, do that. All right, here's, I'm going to just read one more from this list and then I'm going to get back to the article. Help people shine. This is a way of serving others according to this writer. I'm just going to read what they say. We want people to acknowledge our accomplishments, our successes. But in Philippians, Paul tells us to consider others better than ourselves. Helping others showcase their gifts and talents is an awesome way to serve someone else. So we can serve others in those ways, praying for them, helping meet needs. And here, I think, is one of the main ways we serve others. We can serve others by leading them to Christ. This is huge. But let me give you a scripture. Matthew 9, 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, I explained this scripture really quite a bit last week in the message 
So I'm not going to go into detail much on it, but just this. The heart of the Heavenly Father, the heart of Jesus, is to reach out to other people and bring them to his kingdom. It's huge. It's the thing that we're on mission for. And I want to encourage you, church, we need to bring people to Christ. It is the main focus of a believer. Listen to 2 Peter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You see, the Father doesn't want even your worst enemy to end up in a place called hell. He wants people to repent and be in connection with him once again. And you know how that happens? When people come and accept Christ. That's how it happens. When people pray and allow Christ to forgive them and begin working in their lives. Jesus actually says it really well in Luke chapter 14. This is a parable about the kingdom of heaven and how it works. And once again, Jesus is eating with people. He did that a lot. And he taught people while they were eating. It's just something he did in a a place that many great things came out of. But verse 15, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story. He's going to tell them about the kingdom of God now. So he tells them this. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, these were legitimate excuses, actually pretty big life things that were happening for these people. But Jesus said something as we continue on, and I got to read it. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There's still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Now, when I read this, a couple things pop out. Now, I was joking with you a little bit as I read through, but that's not really where I wanted to focus. I want to focus on something here. Who was going out and bringing people to the banquet in this story? Servants, not the master, the servants. Because you see, sometimes people get the thought, well, if God wants to save people, he should, you know, go do it by his Holy Spirit. He should come down here and go get them. You know what? He did come down here in the form of a man called Jesus. And he did everything necessary by hanging on a cross and paying the price. And then he said to people, I need you to go out and bring a harvest. I need you to go reach people. You're like, well, isn't God all powerful? Can't he? Yes, he is. 
But he also said in his word that he gave authority, dominion over this earth to people. And he chose to ask people to reach people. So whether you think it's the best way or whether you like it, it doesn't matter. That's the way it is here on earth. And people are only reached if we go out and invite them. The servants were the inviters. Now, when the second thing I see in this story that I want to actually say to encourage you, sometimes when you invite, people say no, they have excuses. That's okay. Invite them again. And invite them a few more times. And if they say quit inviting me, go and invite somebody else. Invite others. Invite anybody because Jesus said, I'm going to have my house full. I'm going to have people come into my kingdom. And if others ignore the invitation long enough, I'll just choose to invite someone else. Okay? And the final thing I see from this story that is applicable to us and appropriate. Church, don't be afraid to invite. Invitation is the beginning to change lives. You know, we we look at the gospel and we look at the miracles. We look at the theology. We see so many amazing things. The beginning of it all is somebody invites. It doesn't get much simpler than that, does it? Church, invite people to come with you. Invite them to your life group. Invite them to your church. God will do something in their lives. But you know what? Many people don't even know they're welcome. Yes, our church is open to anybody. The doors are open. It's a public place. But many people don't think they're welcome at this church or a church at all. But if you invite them and let them know they're welcome, they'll be here. So I want to encourage you. You want to serve others? Bring them to Christ by inviting them. Let them know they are welcome. All right, here's the good news with all of this. We're talking about serving others and, uh, you know, inviting and doing this. Maybe you're here today and think, well, I want to, but I don't know how. Well, the good news is Jesus showed us how. Matthew 4, verse 18. He isn't the God who's just going to tell you something and not equip you. It says, one day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. He said, come follow me, I will show you how. This is key. God doesn't say, come follow me and figure it out. He said, I'm going to show you how. And even today, he has placed and made a way that you can be showed how. Did you know that that is what pastors are called to do? Show people how to serve. Really, there's a scripture for it. Ephesians 4 verse 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Church, we have a few pastors here. We want to equip you. We want to grow you. We want to show you how. If you have a passion for something, talk to us. Go to the white table at the end of service. 
There's a serve form. You can put your name on and say, I think I like this or this. Or if there's nothing on there you like, write in the comment. I want to do this. We'll show you how. We'll try to equip you. It's our job. It's our calling. And I love nothing better than to see people do something they're gifted at. Because you have no idea what God can use your gift for. You know, I joked earlier about sports. I love sports. I just don't love sports more than God, but I I do love sports too. You know, and we have a a lady here who's amazing with soccer and makes that work and helps people. That can be a gift that can be used. So what is it that you're passionate about? How can you turn that into something where you're going to help others grow and even come to Christ? So trust me, God needs and wants you. And as the song said, all you got to do is say, I'm available. I'm available. I'm willing and I'm ready. So church, whatever it is that you're desiring to do, we want to help you do it. We want to see you grow. And I want to say this, invite. Invite people and keep on inviting people. And if you're not sure how, we can even help you on how to invite. As a matter of fact, we have these little cards with a QR code on them. You can invite somebody and say, check out our church online. And that's all you got to say. Come join me. I go to this service and hand them a card. So it's simple and it works. People are hungry. They need to know they're welcome. Finally, this is the last verse. And I want to say this. I believe we have many people here who serve and they serve well. We've got a great bunch, and I can look through the congregation even now and see there's a servant, there's somebody who loves, there's somebody who does. But I want to say I believe that all of us can also, as we're serving, begin to serve others, begin to teach others how to serve, okay? So what it is that you're good at, you need to also teach somebody else. But I'll give you the scripture for it, and then we're going to wrap up. So 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So Paul taught Timothy how to do it. He's telling Timothy, teach some others how to do it who can teach some others how to do it. You guys, that is what we're called to do. If you know how to serve, who are you teaching to do what you do? That's the scriptural basis for growing God's kingdom. That's called multiplication. You know, I've met people who are amazing servants over the years. I used to be in evangelism. I can remember being at a place one time and there was an older couple who served God and it was awesome, but they didn't ever think of teaching someone else how to do what they did. And so they were in a place where Uh, They served, they loved God, but they were getting much older. And I remember at this uh, specific time, there was a younger couple. And in prayer, God called this younger couple to start a church. And of course, they were going to need help and even knowing how. And the older couple heard about it because this younger couple said, let's just do it. And they moved in an old trailer and they set it up. And this older couple, rather than show them how and get excited and come along and support them, got upset. 
And you know what they said? God told us we were supposed to start a church 30 years ago. How come they are? Now, when you have a heart to serve others, you are willing to show the ones around you how. You're willing to pass on your gift. You're willing to be humble enough to serve the one that God is saying, hey, we want you to rise up. We want you to do. We'll serve. Church, whatever you're good at, whatever you're serving at, find somebody you can pass it on to. Because I think the greatest regret of life would be to go through and not have passed on anything to anybody. Pass on what you have. Show multiple people how to do what you do. And it will be awesome. I believe God made us so that we would know and serve others because it's what we were saved for. I want to pray with you this morning. I'm going to pray over the congregation right where you're seated. And I just want to pray that God will bless you and that you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he has good opportunities for you. All right? And serving is something we can do. And is it an emergency to serve? In some cases, it is. Just maybe God needs you. There's people around you that need you to invite them, to serve them so that they can see the love of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you right now for this congregation. I thank you for each one of them here. I thank you you've given them each gifts and abilities. And Lord, I pray now that you would give them the passion, the desire, and the overflow to serve. Lord, if they have no time, we pray you'd give them time. We pray you'd give them wisdom of what to let go of so that they can make you the most important thing. Lord, I pray that you would totally equip and empower the believers here this morning to serve others and to serve you. We thank you, Lord. We are going to see great things from each of them. We pray it. We believe it in Jesus' name. Amen.